Let's bring in Dave Festchuk now from the Toronto Star. Dave, welcome. How are you today, sir? Mr. Caddy, couldn't be better. How about you? I'm doing well. I just love this time of the year because there's so many things to talk about. Um, and uh, let, let's uh, deal with the Leafs. Uh, from from where you sit right now, when you look at that roster, uh, how much better is this team than it was the one that finished last year in your mind? Yeah, I don't think you can say it's any better. In fact, I would say it's worse. I mean, you know, the glaring hmm. the glaring problem, Jim, to me is is that you, you lost Hyman, obviously, who was a heart and soul player. A top, a top six staple who did a lot of things that you don't have guys doing on a regular basis, right? This team, if you look at the criticism of this team internally, you know, after we look at the way Babcock saw it and was, you know, duly dismissed, and now we're seeing some behind the scenes stuff of how Sheldon Keefe sees it, uh, and Brent Shanahan sees it, and Kyle Dubas sees it. Uh, you talk about killer instinct. You talk about grit and hard work. These are all the words, the phrases that have been the internal phrases that are brought up at the at the postseason, uh, you know, post mortems after disappointment after disappointment. Jim, you know, Hyman was that guy, and, and and provided that in a way that very few guys do. Now, what you've done in you know in, to try and compensate is you brought in a bunch of question marks. Uh, you brought you know you brought in your, you know Michael Bunting and Nick, Nick Ritchie. Uh, an Andre Kasha, uh, you know, a David Kampf. And, and you're trying to build some depth with guys who clearly are not sure things in the way that Zach Hyman was always a sure thing. Uh, and so I think that's, that's exhibit A of why you're worse. You're worse because Zach Bogosian's not around. And I think he brought something you didn't have on the blue line, uh, which was, you know, the ability and the willingness to occasionally, you know, jam a stick into somebody's ribs uh, and, of course, in a league where cross-checking uh, was, was totally legal, it seemed, in certain areas of the ice, although maybe we're going to see a crackdown on that in the early regular of the season. So without Bogosian, I think you're worse. And I think you're worse without Freddie Anderson, to be honest. I know Freddie had a tough year this past season in a contract year. Not a great situation for him. But if you look at the vast body of work that he had in Toronto, I mean, you talk about a workhorse goalie who could get you a lot of regular season wins. There was nobody better in this league than Freddie Anderson doing that in a lot of ways. Certainly, I shouldn't say nobody better at getting the wins, but certainly nobody better at being available to play uh, until, of course, the unfortunate ending. Uh, so I think you're worse without Freddie Anderson, and the, and the goaltending tandem is going to be a question mark to me. Yeah, I mean, when you're dealing with Freddie, you got to remember his nickname was Steady Freddie. So the steady part is gone. Uh, I'm not saying that it couldn't be replaced, but but for now, there's a void that way. And, and clearly with Hyman, if you had a list of what he did, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find it, even in, in, in you know specifically with all the other people they have there. My my question is, um, you know, when, when we watched them play last night, any time they looked like that over the last two or three years they always won those games i mean last night's game even though it's a preseason game when, when they had the puck and when they were dominant there's not much you could do about the leafs the question is how do they play when they're not dominant when they're not allowed to, to play their style or flex their muscles and, and and that's where zach hyman would come in uh, obviously it didn't work in the playoffs so if you had that list of what zach hyman brought to the table uh, maybe the best guy who, who checks off not everything but a lot of things is in my opinion is mckayev what do you think about that yeah, McCabe certainly did. I mean, which is why I think I think it was a bit of a shock to hear that he wasn't happy in Toronto over the off season and requested a trade. Um, and I think it was a bit of a shock to, to think of the idea that this guy doesn't see this particular scenario with Hyman out of the picture. 
uh, and a massive gaping opportunity for whoever wants to grab it on the wing of either of the top two lines. I'm, I'm not sure how you couldn't see that as, a, as an incredible opportunity for a player of his skill set. You're right, Jim. And now, McKay, the problem with McKay, as we all know, is that, you know, he scores last night, great. Uh, but he, he, you know, he's played 12 playoff games for Maple Leafs. He hasn't scored a goal despite, you know, a very, you know, decent handful of chances. Uh, you know, he had, what did he have, seven goals last year. And, you know, while shooting 100-plus shots, which was, I, I did the math a couple weeks ago, like nobody shot more shots and scored less goals uh, in the NHL last season, Jim. So it's a guy who's finishing touch is, uh, is wanting, obviously. And maybe some of that's luck. Maybe, maybe the shooting percentage will come around. You know, maybe, maybe he will uh, get the benefit of, uh, of, of the bounces this year. And maybe they'll start going in for him. But don't forget, like, uh, this is the guy who, in the previous uh, playoff, the, where the Maple Leafs lost that five-gamer to Columbus, you know, McCabe was the, the MVP of the minicamp before. He had five goals on Freddie Anderson, don't forget. And then, of course, came up blank when the rest, when the uh, Maple Leafs could have really used a goal against Columbus. So I'm with you. Like, he's the guy who has the most to gain from Hyman's absence. Whether or not he'd be able to seize that opportunity is going to be intriguing to watch. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of really decent, uh, I guess, conversation points here. McKay of last night could have had four goals. There's no question about that. He looked good. But my question for all this is, is you know, you've got wingers auditioning on the left side. They're all NHL players. I, and that, that's not the debate here. We're, we're looking for the fit. So, so my question is, uh, wh- if Richie gets you 25 goals, you need 25 goals over there. And does it cut into what's happening? What the the, the Rocket Richard uh, Trophy winner and, and the All Star right winger? I mean, wh- what is what? What exactly do you want? There is my question. Yeah, well, that's the question, right? And, and look, you, of course, you'd love 25 goals over there. And, and Hyman, Hyman was, was a guy who could provide something in that vicinity. And, and Richie's done it before, right? So, that, so that's, you know, he's a no-brainer as, as an obvious candidate to take that spot. Now, the questions are, are going to be obvious as well. And, and one of those questions is speed. And, and you know, when you're playing yeah. with not only two of the faster guys on the team, uh, but also two of the faster thinking players you're ever going to meet in the NHL in Marner and Matthews. Like, you know, will you be able to keep up pace? I mean, you know, there's a reason why, you know, he's not in Boston right now, right? So uh, there's a reason why he was available. And I think, you know, part of that reason might point to some of those, uh, you know, less than stellar qualities to his game. I'm not saying he's not Joe Thornton. You know, this is not like, like as preposterous as it was that Joe Thornton started last season on the first line. We all know what that was in, in hindsight, right, Jim? That was that was a show. That was that was a PR move. That was like maybe it was a sign of respect too, just to to show Joe Thornton that the Maple Leafs believed in Joe Thornton, even though we all knew that there was no, you know, there was no there was no bloody way he was going to be able to hang on the first line at, at this point in his career. But um, yeah, I'm with you. Nick Ritchie is a guy that you know, if he comes out with and provides the upside that is clearly there, and if he sort of maximizes his potential. And what the Maple Leafs hope uh, his potential could be, uh, it could be a massive home run of a contract for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, I think you know we both agree on this. When we're talking about pace of play, we're talking about how fast you play and how fast you think, and then we're talking about defensive responsibility. That's that's a pretty tough void to fill, isn't it? Yeah, because a lot of it comes down to just pure skating, right? Like you got to be able to skate in this league. You want to stay above the puck 
And you also want to be available for opportunities with, you know, elite players like Mike Marner's and Matthews, Marner and Matthews, or heck, maybe you're maybe you're maybe you're on the wing with Nylander and uh, and Tavares at some point. You know, it's part and parcel of the same thing, right? Like, you got to be able to you got to be able to make things happen quick. You got to be able to move quickly in transition. That's why Hyman, the athlete he was, the athlete he turned himself into, uh, in terms of you know a guy who was not a particularly uh, highly recruited guy who went to Michigan for four years, nearly got run out of Michigan, and then kind of just by, through sheer hard work in the gym and on the ice with power skating coaches and the like, just turned himself into an elite skater. Uh, you have to be an elite skater. And I'm not sure, I don't think Nick Ritchie's scouting report uh, contains the word elite skater, right? So that, you know, we'll see how that plays out. You know, there are ways to compensate for that. We know what they are. Yeah. Uh, can Nick Ritchie can Nick Ritchie find them on a regular basis is going to be the question. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there. There are ways to compensate for that, and, and I think two of the biggest pluses that this team could have would be an exceptional penalty kill and an exceptional power play, and, and they have the people to do that. So let's first go to the power play, and obviously, uh, you know, we've seen bits of it in terms of the regulars in the right spot. What, what's your take on on the adjustments they've made, and how good or or how much of a positive this could be? Well, I like. I liked what we heard last night, or you know, I like what we've heard of late, including last night, and that is the idea that you know, to me, the guy who's going to be the linchpin to any Leafs power play is Mitch Marner, and the idea now that Mitch Marner is not necessarily you know, kind of you know, uh, cordoned off in one position on the power play. There, there was, they were, they were joking last night in some of the availabilities that you know, Marner is making up his own position, which I, which I love to hear because I want to see if I'm you know, the opposition, the thing that scares me the most is Mitch Marner improvising. The thing that didn't scare me if I'm the opposition was the predictability that the Maple Leafs kind of came with when it came to Marner. He looked like a lot of times he was, you know, he was like a table hockey player who was kind of like sort of uh, like bolted to a slot on the ice that he would just go back and forth on along that half wall, right? And there was no threat there because you knew he wasn't going to score there. He didn't have the shot to score from there. Very few guys do. And, you know, he, he just didn't provide a lot of unpredictability. Uh, and to me, that's Mitch Marner's asset. Mitch Marner's skill set is he's got the creativity uh, combined with the hands and the uh, the skill to make plays that you don't necessarily expect. So if I'm, you know, if I'm the opposition, the idea that the Maple Leafs are going to unleash some of that unexpectedness that they kind of fell out of, in my view, by trying to just constantly feed, you know, Matthews for the one-timer and constantly just do the same thing over and over again, kind of pound their head against the wall. You know, that that really bodes well for me, Jim. And, look, there's a lot riding on this power play. Like, this to me is a direct – this is about coaching. Right? This is, there's no hiding behind, you know, your assistants if you're Sheldon Keith. You know, Manny Maholtra was in charge of that power play last year, allegedly. But, you know, we also heard rumblings that by midseason when they struggled, you know, Manny Maholtra didn't necessarily get to call the shots on that power play. And rightly so. I think, the, you know, Sheldon Keith is ultimately responsible. Sheldon Keith should have had – his hands on that power play when it struggled. But we saw what happened when he put his hands on that power play. Uh, it didn't improve, right? And, and it was it was abysmal for, for the talent on the ice, uh, collective talent on the ice, to do what they did and, you know, fail to score a power play goal. What were they, 0 for 7 in games 5, 6, and 7 of the playoff series against Montreal? You know, they get a couple of power play goals, Jim. They win that series, and they didn't make it happen. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's to me, that this is, you know, the power play is going to be, you know, a great measure of Sheldon Keefe. I don't forget about Spencer Carberry. You know, he's a, he's a, uh, I'm a little flummoxed why you'd bring in a rookie NHL assistant 
and hand him that you know hand him that responsibility. This is Sheldon Keith's responsibility to make this power play work, whether it's you know whether Spencer Carby's going to get the credit or not. You know, Sheldon Keith has to take this on himself and will take it on himself. And it's got to work not only in the regular season, but when it matters in the playoffs. Okay, let's veer off into baseball. And, and Atkins and Shapiro will speak uh, today. And In fact, uh, Atkins will guest on overdrive at 425 with the lads. So we'll look forward to what he's got to say. I, I, the biggest question would be, you know, they're at a fork in the road sort of financially, and this is a corporate decision. Do you think they come up with the money to to re-sign Ray and or Semyon? Uh, and or yes, I think I think they I think it's going to be or. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be and. Yeah. I think it's going to be. I'm thinking it's going to be one or the other. And, I, and if I'm guessing, if I'm if I'm kind of prognosticating correctly, I would imagine it's going to be Robbie Ray. Because I do think that you know the time honored baseball wisdom that you can't have enough pitching is is beyond true. And I do believe you know you can't have enough pitching as much as you know maybe last night's game uh, for the Yankees you know speaks to the peril of you know throwing a lot of money at a starting pitcher when you throw $324 million at Garrett Cole and he can't provide what you want in a, in a one-off playoff game, in a do-or-die, high, the highest-stakes playoff game you can have in Major League Baseball and gets run out of the game uh, early. Maybe that is like the, the, the cautionary tale of why it's dangerous to put you know, a lot of money on one guy. But if you, like, the, to me, the alternative is not tenable either. Like, you got to take that risk if you intend to be a contender. Because, you know, like, I was saying this on the morning show the other day, Jim, like, pitching is so unpredictable. Like, who would have guessed that Garrett Cole would have got run out of that game so early last night? Maybe some people did. I personally didn't think he – I thought he'd be able to rise to the occasion. Clearly there wasn't probably something right with him physically. But who else would have guessed at the beginning of this Blue Jays season, Jim, you know, who would have guessed that Robbie Ray would emerge as a Cy Young, likely Cy Young winner? Uh, let alone a Cy Young candidate. I mean, the number one starter for the Blue Jays as the season began, guess who it was? It was, it was Hunjin Ryu, you know, and he ends up being your number five guy by the end of the season. So, you know, you got to have a lot of options is what I'm trying to say here on the mound. And you, you really just cannot afford to lose an option like Robbie Ray. As for Semyon, I think, it's, you know, to me it's like when he said late in the season that he wants to play shortstop, I think that answers the question that you're asking. I just don't see how he can play shortstop when on a team with Bo Bichette. Um, and I just don't see, given that he's obviously going to have plenty of suitors at very high numbers, I just don't see how uh, the Blues is going to make that one work. Okay, so I mean, th- those are the two centerpieces, but I'm going to uh, 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 quote Laura Armstrong in the Toronto Star talking about, and this is an excellent point, uh, do they look at extending or, or trying to get ahead of the curve on, on some of their existing young stars? What do you think of that? Well, I mean, we've all been waiting for the shoe to drop on that, right? Like, I remember asking yep. a lot of the baseball insiders, the buster onlys of the world who are, who are more plugged in than anybody on that sport, like, when, when do you sign Vladdy? When, you know, when do you give that what we know is going to be, um, uh, you know, a multi-hundred million dollar contract to Vladdy. And, and I guess I guess the answer, if you're a negotiator, would be not right now, Jim. <laughs> you, don't do it when he's, you don't do it when he's coming off, you know, an MVP caliber season. And then he'd definitely be an MVP if not for, you know, the unicorn named Shoei Atani. So um, I don't know. I, you know, I thought, you know, it's easy to second-guess things. You know, should they assign him after – last season when he had a bit of a, a more of a struggle and i guess yeah the, the consensus on that would be no you know it's it would have you know it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the moment because vladdy wouldn't have wanted to sign a contract 
off of last season's stats. Of course, he'd be more than willing to sign it now. It seems to me, though, if you're the Blue Jays, you want one more show-me year. Like, okay, you got in shape this year. You, you, you grew up. You, you, you turned yourself into a pro athlete, and not just in talent, but in day-to-day work habits. Uh, and you came to camp looking good, and, and you played like it. But don't you want to see it again before you give him $300-plus Jim? Yeah, well, absolutely. You, you want a bigger sample size. Absolutely. You, you'd never be wrong to, to suggest that. That's for sure. Uh, Dave, appreciate it. Thanks very much. Hey, Jim, always a pleasure. Have a great day.